The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month, hear an update from the National Library Service and get tips on winterizing your wardrobe on ACB Reports for December 2006. Each year, attendees of the annual convention of the American Council of the Blind receive an update from Frank Kurt Silkey, director of the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped. Let's listen and learn about exciting things that are in store for library patrons. I'm very pleased to be here again, as I have been for the past three decades or so. On the digital program, we are on target. Uh, we have a target of 2008 to uh, have the machines starting to come out and uh, the books ready. We should have 20,000 titles ready at that time, and we will be signing a contract in 2007 for 60,000 audio machines. And in the following years, 2008, 9, 10, and 11, they'll be in the hundreds of thousands of units. So we should end up with about 600,000 units by 2011. In terms of communication, I made a trip around the United States of about 40 states talking to the librarians and to the state librarians. And what we came up with was the fact that we really weren't communicating. We thought we were. We were writing. We were speaking. But we didn't hit everyone. So we conceived the idea of having the flash, the F-L-A-S-H, which we distribute to you in our talking book topics, in our Braille book review, in our mailings to the various organizations and to the libraries and the state librarians. I think this has helped a great deal because the number of questions regarding the digital program have dropped considerably, which means, I hope it means, that uh, we are more on target with keeping you up to date. We are in the process of converting titles to digital titles as we go on, as well as producing new ones. So for the last four years, every analog book that you received, in other words, every cassette book that you received, has a digital master. And those will be available in digital form in 2008. In addition to that, we've been producing approximately 1,200 books a year, converting them from analog to digital. And we've been picking those books based on the titles, Charles Dickens' works, uh, Ernest Hemingway, and so forth, as well as the uh, narrators that uh, have interested you, such as Alexander Scorby. Just a comment about uh, Web Braille. We had an awkward situation this year, as you know. We have about 4,500 users. We have approximately uh, 8,000 titles, which include music titles, as well as titles from uh, nine regional libraries, uh, Iowa and Minnesota, who were added this year. So you have access to all the Braille books uh, that uh, we have available in hard copy as well as in uh, digital. As I say, there was an awkward situation where for eight calendar days, I think it was six working days, the uh, web braille was down, but it came back up and has been working, I can't say with 100% success, but with like 99.5% success. As you know, we look for consumer input. We have uh, panels on the digital area. We have it in the uh, selection of materials. We have it in the machine area and, uh, of course, coming here. So we've appreciated your contributions. Uh, and I'll now introduce Alice Baker, who is a lawyer, a librarian, and the uh, guardian of our digital contracts. Thank you.
This past year has been very exciting for the National Library Service. And while I'd like to attribute that excitement to the fact that I started working here last September, I'm afraid it probably has more to do with the recent developments in the Digital Talking Book, or DTB, project. The past year has been one of great accomplishments for the DTB project. We've made many important decisions that have all come together to create the design of the new digital player and cartridge system. Of course, there remains much ground to cover. Like the title of this presentation suggests, we've broken the field and a touchdown is in sight. We are in an enviable position that we have worked hard for, but we need to keep working together to reach our goal, hold on to the ball, and keep our eyes fixed firmly on the goalposts, which are now finally in sight. Today I'm going to talk briefly about what we have accomplished since the last ACB convention and what we're looking forward to in the near future. But first, a little background. In 2004, NLS put out a request for proposal for the design and development of a talking book player and flash memory cartridge, as well as mailing containers for each. This request was developed based on functional requirements distilled from years of careful research. In February 2005, after prudent consideration and evaluation, NLS partnered with the Battelle Memorial Institute, headquartered in Columbus, Ohio, to design and develop the digital talking book. Battelle's proposal included subcontracts with VisuAid, now Humanware Technologies, and the Trace Research and Development Center of the University of Wisconsin, among others. NLS is very pleased to be working with such world-renowned organizations that bring decades of highly technical experience in product development. Everyone working on the Digital Transition Plan is excited about the design developments that the Battelle team has created. The player is significantly lighter than the C1. It has a more sleek, modern appearance and will be easily portable for most patrons. The book cartridge has been carefully designed to be easy to handle and use with the player. The cartridge container has been redesigned to accommodate the new shape of the cartridge and the requirements from the postal system. And the shipping container for the player will be fully recyclable. But aside from all the new design developments, the real difference is how readers are able to use the book. The DTB allows a reading experience that more closely recreates reading a physical book. Complex navigation through a book is possible, allowing readers to purposefully jump around in the text and explore information in a way not previously possible with a cassette machine. After being awarded the DTB contract, Battelle jumped into the process with both feet. In an effort to better understand NLS patrons and their needs, as well as place NLS's design and development requirements in context and expand them as needed, the team undertook a broad-reaching user needs evaluation in April and May of 2005. The sessions occurred in regional libraries around the country and through individual site visits for some elderly and physically disabled persons. In addition to looking at patrons' usage of the C1 player in detail, Battelle also gathered patron feedback on some early player models to assess preferences for various button shapes, sizes, and layouts. They also collected detailed feedback from library staff and volunteers regarding their needs and frequent issues in the total library services experiences. In further efforts to capture and analyze user needs, three rounds of extensive usability studies with NLS patrons were conducted. The studies tested and got feedback from patrons on everything from the location and function of buttons on the player to the braille and large print user guides to the navigability of digital talking books to the size and shape of the player. 
The result of these months of discussions, research, and analysis is two versions of the digital talking book player, one that offers a less complex utilization of the many features and functionalities offered by the digital technologies, and one that offers a greater level of complexity, including the option to set bookmarks, jump by page, jump by chapter, and more. The shape of each player is the same, and each player has the same battery power and cord storage, and both players will be able to use any cartridge in the collection. Each player offers accelerated fast-forward and rewind functions, a sleep timer option that automatically turns off the player after 15 minutes, and verbal announcements of both actions and locations in the book. Throughout the life of the project, NLS has and will continue to work closely with Battelle and other partners to achieve milestones set on an aggressive schedule designed to make the digital talking book player available to patrons in 2008. A number of charts and tracking programs are being utilized, which help to keep our efforts coordinated and on schedule. In addition to on-paper planning, the team holds weekly technical conference calls, bi-weekly general discussion conference calls, and quarterly face-to-face -face meetings to discuss any developments or concerns. These tools all help us work with Battelle to track both their progress and our participation, keeping communication lines open and encouraging a big-picture understanding of the issues related to developing the best digital talking book system possible. We are now moving into a very important and exciting part of the project. Three weeks ago, NLS hosted the team in Washington, D.C. for the preliminary design review, a comprehensive review of every design aspect of the project, from software to cartridge containers to packing material. This review was a necessary step to evaluate and approve the design before moving into the creation, testing, and analysis of functional prototypes. NLS was indeed satisfied with the design and gave Battelle approval to go forward creating functional prototypes. Functional prototypes are realistic working models of the actual player that are able to be tested and retested to verify the design. The Digital Talking Book Project is now in its sixth quarter of effort. During this time, the industrial and mechanical engineers are working on completing the design drawing and building functional prototypes for the player, cartridge, mailing container, and player shipping container. The electrical engineers are completing testing of the printed circuit board version 1.2 and designing and building the printed circuit board version 1.2a, as well as performing USB connector life tests. Audio engineers are testing speaker candidates for functional prototypes, and software applications continue to be tested and refined. We have elected to build 50 player prototypes, 100 cartridge prototypes, and 150 cartridge container prototypes. The functional prototype phase occurs in multiple iterative rounds and is designed to test the player's engineering and cartridge and mailing containers in various simulated real-world situations. Some of the player prototypes will be destroyed as we push the limits through testing, and some will be used, hopefully more gently, usability testing in the homes of patrons. This testing continues through the summer and fall, concluding in November at Critical Design Review. The result of Critical Design Review is a final physical design. It's then on to the pre-production models, which are further refined versions of the player, using what we've learned from the functional prototype testing. Once these are built, they will be tested for verification and specifications and validated against user requirements through more usability testing. 
Along the way, we will be working on writing the request for proposals necessary to find a manufacturer for both the cartridge and the player. Different vendors will manufacture the player and the cartridge, and separate contracts will be written to support the production. The proposals will be in two phases, the first so that we may pre-qualify potential manufacturers and the second to actually contract to produce the player and cartridges. These two development prongs, designing the player and writing the contract, will come together in May of 2007 with the delivery of the final technical data package from Battelle to NLS, which will be transferred to our contractor to manufacture the players on a large scale. The transition plan requires careful planning, and NLS has initiated meetings with the Library of Congress's contracting office and the Office of General Counsel to begin the formal acquisition planning process. Again, our target date for transferring the design to manufacture is May 2007, and 2008 has been targeted to begin distributing DTB players to patrons. There are many elements of the digital project assigned from designing the player, cartridge, and mailing containers. Every morning, a core group of digital team members meets to discuss any pressing issues or upcoming events related to the project. As can be imagined, it's necessary to constantly monitor all elements of the project, and this meeting assures everyone is on the same page first thing in the morning. Every Tuesday and Thursday, an expanded team meets for an hour to discuss and make decisions critical to the project. By discussing and deciding as a group, we are able to take into consideration all the areas of NLS that may be impacted by a decision. NLS has identified 39 unique tasks to be accomplished internally for the Digital Talking Book project, excluding design and development of the player. Each responsible party provides a weekly update related to their tasks, which encourages communication with management and other team members. These reports provide a forum to bring potential problems to light and ensure that the right people address any issues quickly and directly. An interesting task or project that's been developed as part of the digital transition project is the digital download pilot. NLS is currently working on making a subset of its collection available to be downloaded from a computer onto a flash memory cartridge and then played on a specially modified version of HumanWare's Victor Reader Classic Plus with recording playback machine. 100 patrons have been selected based on certain criteria to participate in the pilot. These patrons will be provided the modified player with many similar features as the NLS player and will actively participate by downloading and evaluating digital talking books and magazines and providing us with valuable feedback about their experience. We are especially excited about this pilot project because it offers NLS the opportunity to thoroughly test the DTBs, ensuring that our patrons continue to receive the high-quality material that has been provided by NLS for over 75 years. Working with the Patel team to design, develop, and manufacture the digital talking book system has been a rewarding experience. I hope NLS patrons will have an equally, if not more, rewarding reading experience using the new digital talking book machine in 2008. Thank you. During questions following his remarks, Mr. Silkey was asked to explain changes which had recently been implemented on the web braille service. What you have is a situation where publishers have made and authors, copyright holders, have made available books to you as a blind person with the guarantee that when we publish them, they only go to blind people. 
there was a security breach, and there have been some egregious uh, use of the site. It was down for a very short time, came back up. We appreciated the overwhelming uh, response, uh, you know, that we got. I think it was more than 300 emails, primarily from uh, members of ACB. Your interest was appreciated. We do understand how important it is to you, but the security has to be there. It's not in the same situation as ordering a book from Amazon.com or ordering a a dress or other items of uh, of material. Let me give you one example. There was one person in the United States who was downloading 1,000 books a day. I I think enough said. Uh, You need a book? You just have to say, I agree to the requirements that I won't make it possible. You can do two books. If you do 1,000 books, you're going to have a heck of a time at it. That was NLS Director Frank Kurt Silke. You're listening to ACB Reports from the American Council of the Blind. As the holidays approach, it's time for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere to winterize our wardrobe. Lynn Cooper tells us how in this report. The change is taking place in our bodies. With the colder months, whether we be in areas where it gets really, really cold or just cooler, our skin changes, our hair changes, and our fingernails and toenails change. So we have to think of change at this season from the inside out. So we're going to first look at winterizing our body. With that colder air comes a drier air that happens on the outside as well as the inside. When we have heat on, the air dries out. So that will dry out our skin. One way to take care of that, of course, use humidifier or even as my grandma used to, a pot of uh, water on the radiator. Uh, We have to be very conscious of drinking more water. And also remember we drink water before we're thirsty. When we're thirsty, it's almost not too late, but it's our body going, come on, give me some more water. Use richer moisturizers on our face and our body. Sunscreen is very important, Mike. A lot of times people forget that in wintertime, because it's colder, that the sun is not as strong. It is sometimes even stronger, especially when there's snow on the ground, the reflection. We must also wear sunglasses, and this is for our visually impaired friends and otherwise, because the rays could possibly damage our eyes. Make sure those lenses are polarized if possible. Our hair dries out in wintertime. Probably no surprise to anyone. When you run your fingers through it, you notice that it's uh, a little bit drier than it would be. It's less plump than in uh, warmer months. For this reason, we want to use a richer, um, what I mean by richer, is a thicker, a little stronger conditioner. And we probably want to use that more frequently when we wash our hair. If you have a static electricity where you have flyaway hair, a really good idea is actually to take a dryer sheet and you just rub it over your hair, and that does what it does to your clothes, and it cuts down on the static electricity. It's also not a bad way to get a nice smell in your hair, but another place we can use that is if we are wearing hose or even gentlemen with your socks. You want to rub that on your socks and ladies on your uh, legs before you go out or throughout the day if your um, dress or your pants are sticking to your legs due to static electricity. 
Then we have to think about our nails. And like our hair and our skin, our nails dry out. They become more brittle, so you'll notice them probably chipping more. For these reasons, we want to use hand cream more often. Very, very good idea. At the very least in the top of the day and at the end of the day. And not a bad idea, Mike, to let one's nails rest longer between polishing. What I mean by rest is just simply leave more time between polishing of the nails because polishing will dry out the nails. Then we go into clothing and our wardrobe. Number one, Mike, assuming that our listeners have uh, paid rapt attention to our previous shows on storage and maintenance and all. When we remove our clothing from seasonal storage, the first thing we should do is check it to make sure that it is in good condition. Is it in need of repairs? Are there holes or dirt that we didn't catch? And then most importantly at the same time is to make sure that the seasonal storage area that we've been using is still suitable. You know, so many times where I think, oh, this will be great over here in this little corner of the closet or what have you. And then when I pull it out after the season or getting ready for the next season, I realize that might have been a part of the closet I didn't want clothes to be in. Remember that climate in the area that we store our things should be relatively stable. We don't want things to be in a very frigid area that's unheated. At the same time, we don't want it to be an area that is right up against a heating unit. The air quality, you know, we have to make sure we keep things uh, either airtight or if they're leather or natural fibers in a container that will be dust-free but uh, will allow it to breathe. And then we have to make sure that there's no insects or little vermin like little mice or what have you. Once again, the way we do this, of course, we ask for help whenever possible. We all need it as human beings, so we want to consult our human mirror for this. We want to ask a friend or a family member in and, you know, pour a glass of wine, make it an event, get at least a cup of coffee and, and go over a seasonal, hey, should I keep this? Should I let this go? How does this look? What does it need? If we don't have a human mirror, or as I call them, an eyewitness, then we go to our trusty dry cleaner, grab some pieces, throw them in a bag or even a suitcase, and say, hey, what do I do? What do you think? And it's not a bad idea, Mike, every season at the very least to decide, do I want this? And is there somebody in my friend circle or family that could be taking advantage of it? I have to share with you a quote that my dear Grandma Millie used to share. And when I was a kid, I thought it was goofy. And like many things, the older we get, the smarter our elders get. She used to say, when you dress for the weather, you'll always be in fashion. Dress in layers, very, very important. Not only do layers keep us warmer when we're outside, but we can easily shed them inside while uh, keeping it still a uh, a G or PG uh, experience. And uh, thermal underwear is not a bad idea. Now, this is not the deer hunting, thick, quilted underwear of your father, but it is um, offered nowadays in stores for men and women in either polyester or silk, and they're thin. They keep your core a little bit warmer, and they keep itchy wool from your skin. So if you have these on underneath, then when you wear a sweater, you won't be as likely to be itching from the sweater or have a problem on your skin. And as always, as we talk about often when we look at our wardrobe for whatever season, we want to invest in good staples. And these staples are suits, pants, skirts, the pieces that we wear a lot, the staples of our wardrobe. And a good idea to buy these in lightweight or medium weight wools. These are going to be good looking throughout the year. They're going to hold up to wear. They're going to hold up to dry cleaning better. And they're also going to be uh, better for winter time. And, and once again, if we want to, we can always put a pair of uh, leggings or a pair of hose or a pair of uh, this uh, thermal underwear underneath. 
very key, and I know our listeners have heard me say this before, but I can't say enough that it's not a good idea. Do not dry clean after each wearing. Uh, we want to steam out the wrinkles, whether it be a suit, a jacket, a sweater, what have you, or spot clean with a damp cloth. Because too much dry cleaning removes the oils from the wool fabrics and from all fabrics. And the wools and the fabrics become more brittle. They start to uh, get shinier. And not only that, but the petrochemicals and other icky chemicals in the dry cleaning process are so poisonous, it's not a good idea to have too much of those around. So probably, unless you have a spill or some extraordinary reason, not a bad idea to dry clean simply before storing at the end of the season. That's pretty much my rule of thumb. Outerwear, coats, jackets, what have you. The key you're going to hear me say throughout is not too snug. We want to make sure that not only do we have enough room for more sweaters underneath this coat or jacket, but we have to remember, too, same thing with gloves and shoes and boots, that we need them a little bit looser because we want that layer of air from our body heat. We want that to get warmed up and to uh, offer some insulation. Hats are very important. Some of our listeners may live in an area where wintertime maybe means it goes down into the 40s or 50s. Those of us up here in the frozen tundra, otherwise known as Chicago, we really have to consider those frigid days. So wintertime means something different to everybody. But hats are very important. And Mike, I don't know if you knew this, and I just found it out recently and found it fascinating, that we lose an average of 40% or more of our body heat through our head. So let's just say we're all bundled up in that really cold day, but we don't have a hat on. Well, 40% of your body heat is going to be lost through your head. So don't worry about hat hair. That's why we carry a little comb with us and hit the restroom before we go into our meetings. Gloves, very similar to clothing in the rule of thumb, Mike, which is make sure they're a little roomier. We don't want to get gloves or mittens. Mittens are probably even warmer, but they don't allow us to be quite as... um, useful with our digits as as gloves are, but we don't want to get them too tight because, once again, we need that layer of warm air between our body and the uh, garment. And I know recently, I can swear to this because I was wearing a pair of those driving gloves, and they're very, very snug. Now, they're used for driving, which means they're snug on your hands, which means your hands can grip the steering wheel. But they are so cold when it is a chilly day because there's no protective layer of air. And then finally, with regard to clothing, we have to concern ourselves with our shoes and our boots in winter months. And once again, not too snug. Our feet will get colder quicker, and we want to allow extra room for a thick pair of cotton socks. So that's a rule of thumb, cotton or wool socks. They breathe cotton and wool, natural fibers. So if you're going to buy a pair of boots, I suggest to our listeners that you at the store ask if they have a try-on pair of thick socks or you bring one along, and that's a real safe bet because you don't want to get one that fits like a shoe and then get home and realize when you want to wear extra socks, oops, doesn't fit. And when wet, do not put your boot or your shoes directly near the heating unit, Mike. That'll crack the leather. And instead, we want to stuff them with newspaper and leave them to dry naturally. Now, of course, before we have done this, we want to wipe off the salt with a damp cloth and use cream when they are dry to restore the natural moisture and pliability of the leather. And then finally, last but certainly not least, we don't want to forget our furry friends and our service animals in the winter months. 
If it is extremely cold, consider those little dog outfits, which I think are often kind of goofy. But in some areas of the country, they are very useful, especially for short-haired dogs. We have to also, very importantly, consider salt on the streets and the sidewalks because this really irritates the dog's paw pads. It gets up in there since a lot of that is just not like table salt. There's some other chemicals in it. So we want to rinse the dog if that's the case where we've taken our dog for a walk or worked with the dog during the day, our service animal. We want to rinse the dog's uh, paws. Or also another idea is to use protective lotion or even booties. Remember, just as we are drinking a lot of water, we want to keep our service animals hydrated, keep their water dishes full because we have to remember that a drier room equals faster evaporation and they too need extra hydration. So... I wish all of our listeners a wonderful new season ahead, and thanks as always for listening. That was Lynn Cooper of Lynn Cooper & Associates, Chicago. Next month, ACB Reports will take an in-depth look into the life and times of Louis Braille, and we'll have information about an ACB affiliate organization which encourages the teaching and use of Braille. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports. Connecting the blind community around the world, this is ACB Radio. 